G'day everybody, my name is Elliot Waters and you're listening to the Dysregulated Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is the next instalment of the fortnightly check-in series where we find out right here, right now, in real time, how I have been tracking over the last week to two weeks. And as always, there is a little bit to report. So in the last episode, I was sick. You may remember I had some sort of mystery virus thing. Well, the good news is I'm over it now. I'm back. I'm healthy. It only took three weeks to get over it, but we're back. So you may remember the big problem with being sick is that it stops you from doing the things that you need to do to look after your mental health. So obviously when you're sick, you feel terrible. That's not good for your mental health, but it also stops you from having the ability to say exercise or visit family and friends or do other positive activities like those. So the good news is I've recovered, which is great. But the bad news is even though now I've recovered and there's no real excuses, I'm still not doing the things I should be doing. And that is really annoying me. So I need to really get back into the swing of things, get back exercising, you know, being a little bit more sociable perhaps and really start to kick those goals because there's no excuses now. The last three weeks, yeah, fair enough. But now, no, now is time to get back into it and get back on track. But I think the reason I have problems is this, is that I always compare myself to when I was at my peak. So I used to do a lot of running, you know, I used to run marathons, legitimately marathons. I've run quite a few I couldn't even run 200 meters now full pelt, it would kill me. And that's a big problem. But the thing is, what you need to do is compare yourself to how you were yesterday, not at your peak. So that way, every day we look at trying to achieve incremental improvements. Then over the long run, we surpass what our previous peak was. That's sort of the idea. But if you're always comparing yourself to your best, Well, that's a big problem because that, up until now, is your best. And that is a very hard achievement to top, that's for sure. But if you compare yourself to how you were yesterday, that is much easier to achieve and you're still heading in the right direction. And you don't get discouraged like you do if you're looking at you at your best. The real sort of kicker is the gap between where you are now and your goals. If that gap is too big, well then the judgment of the goal looking down at you saying you'll never achieve this, look how far away it is that you've got no chance. If that gap between you now and the goal is huge, well that's when we need to bring in some more short-term goals which scaffold our way to the big objective at the top. I hope that makes sense. It does in my mind anyway. Um, So yes, so that's the key. And that's something I'm not doing. The problem is I'm comparing myself to when I was running at my best. And even before I chuck the shoes on, I feel defeated already. And that is a big problem. So I need to bring in the scope of what we're trying to do. Just run Elliot. It doesn't have to be fast or long or anything. Just the fact that we're doing it is better than what we did yesterday. And that is the key. And the other thing that sort of ties in with what I was saying that has been happening the last week or two is this phenomena or construct in psychology called anhedonia. So that is where you don't derive pleasure from the things that you used to find pleasurable. 
and that is a key, key determinant for major depressive disorder and also ADHD, which is very interesting. So how this has played out with me lately is this. I just don't care about anything. So people think of depression as if people are crying all the time, you know, sadness, grief, all that sort of stuff. But often it's not that at all. What it is, is this extreme feeling of flatness. And I said this to a work colleague just the other day that I was just feeling so flat. And that often is how major depressive disorder or depressive episodes manifest themselves in people. So anhedonia, losing the ability to derive pleasure from the things that you used to find pleasurable. And that's a big problem. So for me, as I said, everything's just sort of gray, you know, everything's flat. There's no, you know, spark or, or zing or, you know, there's, there's no, I guess, you know, moments of just pure happiness. It's just flat. We're just feeling nothing. And that's a big problem too, because those activities I'm talking about, such as running, but also things like playing instruments and listening to music, those things I have not been able to derive pleasure from. And that's a big problem because music is one of my great escapes or outlets. Not so much playing it, but I do enjoy singing. I'm a very passionate singer. I don't know if I'm any good, but I really enjoy it. And I really enjoy listening to music. But lately I've noticed I'm just scrolling through. It's on shuffle and no song is hitting the spot because we are just so flat. So as you can imagine, that's a problem because not only are we not deriving pleasure from the music, we're also not getting that outlet so I've noticed that I feel like I've got more tension because I haven't been able to expel, I suppose, negative energy or emotions or affect, depending on what you want to call it, because I have not had the options available to be able to expel those feelings. So what I feel like I've been developing is a case of agitated depression. So yes, there's some subtypes of, of major depressive disorder. Melancholic depression is another one. But in my case at the moment, I think agitated depression, I'm starting to slip into that realm a little bit. So as well as the normal potential symptoms of depression, like sadness, low energy, low empty mood, there's also agitated symptoms as well, such as irritability, anxiety, yes, that's a big one, restlessness, excessive talking, fidgeting, and or angry outbursts. So there you go. So that's been a problem because I think I've got all this built up energy and I haven't been able to expel it. So I have all this restlessness and an irritability at my predicament. So hopefully soon I will find a way to get some of that emotional energy out there in a healthy, positive way. And then we can get back to getting on track and doing the things that we need to do. But what is also interesting about anhedonia is that it is also related to ADHD. So there you go, which makes sense because when you have ADHD, doing things like cleaning your room and staying focused on tasks doesn't work very well because you don't get that rewarding feeling from doing the work that needs to be done. You just don't get it. There's, it's just not there. And that in itself can be seen as a form of anhedonia. So there's a study that I found um, that explains this reasonably well. 
So this study is called Explaining the Covariance Between Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder Symptoms and Depressive Symptoms. It was published in the Journal of Clinical Psychology by, now I'm going to get this wrong, Mainzer and colleagues. So what they found was that ADHD symptoms are significantly associated with depressive symptoms and that anhedonia partially accounts for this association. Okay, so there is an association there. If you have one, you seem to have the other. So it was statistically significant for total ADHD symptoms and in particular inattentive symptoms, but not for the hyperactive impulsive component. That is also interesting. There's lots of interesting stuff in this episode today. Anyway, I press on. So I have primarily inattentive symptoms with my ADHD. I'm not particularly hyperactive, although there have been occasions, but that could be linked to things like bipolar disorder or borderline personality. So that's hard to sort of figure out how that works, but it appears that I'm primarily inattentive. And it's the people who are primarily inattentive who have the higher rates of comorbid depression. So there you go. It makes sense that my depression is following the ADHD. If one's getting worse, the other tends to follow as well. And that's definitely true at the moment. My ability to stay focused is not as good as I'd like it to be. And it has suffered the last week or two, which I did put down to being sick, but it is still lingering at the moment. And that could be because the depressive side of things is a bit inflamed at the moment. And anhedonia that inability to derive pleasure from things that you used to find pleasurable appears to be the mediating factor. And more evidence that would suggest that that's true is a little thing, a little chemical called dopamine. So dopamine is the reward chemical. So the theory of ADHD is that we have low levels of dopamine in particular parts of the brain that controls things like that rewarding feeling, impulse control, attention, and other executive functions. And dopamine is also a big part of the depression story as well. And dopamine, it appears from the research, really plays a key role when it comes to anhedonia. So if you've got low levels of dopamine, you're not feeling that reward, you're pretty much going to have anhedonia as well. And if you've got ADHD, that in itself is characterized by low dopamine. So you can see where this connection is. So if your dopamine levels have dropped significantly, anhedonia is the result, worsening attention and worsening other depressive symptoms as well. So there you go. That is the cluster of things going on in my head at the moment. So hopefully I'll be able to get out of this anhedonic state soon and then we can get back to doing some of the things that we need to do. But the thing is, doing those things will probably get me out of this state of mind. So I'm just going to have to find a way to press ahead anyway and just hope that it does the trick. So I will keep you updated on how that goes. Another thing as well, next week, psychiatry appointment, we're going to talk about, I dare say, um, the Lyrica pregabalin medication that I was prescribed at a very low dose, too low, I think. I didn't notice it really did anything. So we'll hear about that on the next episode And also a little bit about Vyvanse, which is the amphetamine-based medication for ADHD, 
which funnily enough, you know what it does? Increases dopamine. So there you go. I'm also going to discuss that with my psychiatrist because I'm getting really bad anxiety from it. So that's in the next episode, but that is all for today. So I hope you enjoyed the episode, a little insight into how I'm traveling at the moment. Remember, if you're enjoying the show, feel free to like, subscribe, give us a rate and share it around with your mates. And you can follow me on Instagram at elliot.t.waters. But as always, thank you for listening to the Dysregulated Podcast and I will see you next time.